This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. It is Monday, December 9th, 2019, and it is time, donks. For Morning Combat. Welcome, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. I'm the host of this program alongside my trusty co-host from CBS Sports, among other places, the inimitable Brian Campbell. Brian, we had a great weekend together. We we'll did. Talk about later. You and I hung out. It was like a little bromance. A little, little fist bumping, a little high-fiving. No tip to tip just yet. <laughs> oh, that's so gross. That's so gross. Uh, yeah, but... Uh, everybody emails me, by the way, saying, when are you, when are you and Brian going to... Appreciate all our Morning Combat listeners. Moving on over to the Showtime Countdown Live yes. uh, undercard stream ahead of Charlo Hogan this weekend. A lot of fun working next to you. And uh, you want to talk about a loaded weekend to recap this yep. week? How about looking ahead to UFC 245? It's going to be a big-ass show, Our right? little break there on the Thanksgiving weeks is over, and now we're really kicking into high gear. By the way, before we get started, though, as always, please give the video yep. a like. Subscribe to the channel. We are very, very close to our 30K goal. So help us. And you know it. what happens at 50K? You know what happens at 75K. A lot of awkward stuff involving Luke. I've heard, so I've get heard. us there. I do want to say, why should they subscribe? Because we are changing the fight talk game. We're making combat new. And to be honest, it's up to us as a people to start making some changes in this combat yeah. talk game, right? Change the way we eat, change the way we treat each other, stop being cringy. The old way wasn't working. So it's on us to do yeah. what we got to do. Old and busted. To survive. Old and busted, new hotness is what's happening. But in reality, there is no talk show like this in combat sports, period. But also, the more subscribers we get, the more we can do things and get other kinds of content besides this wonderful show. So please subscribe. We're very, very close. We appreciate everybody who has already Real done quick, it. I yes. see you wearing a Cannibal Corpse t-shirt yes. right there. Yes, Butcher Your followers are... Now, normally people dive in my Instagram DMs to, to update me on the Shevchenko sisters. And again, I already knew the update. I already saw it, right? Love you, though. Now people are all in my DMs sending me, hey, hey, BC, just so you know, here's what the lead singer of Cannibal Corpse does in his free time. Watch this YouTube yes. video. And what, did you, and, what the, like, and what did you see? Here's what this lead guitarist just got put in jail for. I do not want anything to do with your people, all right? Well, the lead guitarist did get put in jail, although he has mental problems, quite literally mental problems. The lead singer, Corpse Grinder, actually on his free time touring, goes to Target and then gets stuffed animals to give to charity and poor kids. So a real asshole, that guy, huh? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Those okay. Are, those are your kind. By the way, how about the, how about this? Oh. I don't, uh, we, we have to move along. What is the reference? Are we the mega powers here of, of, of combat audio? I'm a little more savage. You're a little more Hogan. You know, race, wait, wait, wait. racist, time bald, time willing time to sleep with oh, your best I'm friend's the guy wife, begging you know? Bubba the Love Sponge's wife. Uh, You're the guy uh, begging Bubba the Love Sponge's wife. The best wife. tag team in pro wrestling history. Okay, check the archives. You're the Thank one you. suing Gawker, not me. Okay. All right. With that in mind, ready to get going? Let's get going. All right, first things first. It was not the biggest event of the weekend, which we will get to, but the biggest MMA event of the weekend was UFC DC in my hometown. Jairzinho Rosenstrike, or Rosenstruck, however you pronounce it, beats Alistair Overeem well via last-second K- last KO, Brian Campbell. Let's start here. I'll actually we'll pitch to you first. I'll be very curious to get your opinion. Yeah, you pitch, I'll catch. Let's do this. Okay. Uh, you always have to find a way to be weird. But the question is this. Now that he has won... Uh, it is good news for the division, I would argue. So the question is, 
Why? Or actually, maybe disagree. Is it good news or bad news for the? I don't That's think it's either good news or bad news. Oh, I think I it's. I that. think it's a weird ending to the sense that. We, we booked this fight to find out answers. I know it was last-minute replacement. Shout-out to Walt Harris and, and everything he's dealing with in his family, obviously. But you want to find out if Jair Rosenstrick or Strook or Strudel, however you're going with there, is for real. This was the perfect test against a veteran who you're more than likely not going to get out of there in, in 10 seconds. You're going to have to work. He had to work for four and a half rounds. We saw a lot of things he needs to work on. We saw some pluses. But there's such a thin line in MMA between love and hate, but also between winning and losing, where the narrative out of this fight... Should have been, could have been, hey, Jair Rosenstruck, he can bang, but he's got a long way to go to be a legitimate title contender. Yet he can break out the meat cleaver with four seconds to go, and suddenly it's like, I want Francis Ngannou next, and suddenly it's like, Yahoo for the division, when I think you have to go back and look at that stoppage. Yes, wielded insane power, shout out to him, got it done with no time left, Overeem failing in, 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 in um, gassing a little bit in the closing seconds, but if he doesn't do that walk-off, like he did after he knocks out Overeem, because Overeem pops back up. If referee Dan Murray realizes the amount of seconds, doesn't see in Overeem's eyes what he ended up seeing, that goes to the cards and he loses. So I'm not going to come out of here being like, fantastic performance, this guy is the future. Would I love to see him bang against other sluggers like, a, like an Ngannou, of course. Yeah, you sound but like he, you're all but, down on the idea. But it was like razor thin from being sort of okay, a... Uh, all right, well, look, well, hold on. Let's, let's talk about that. Number one, this is his 10th UFC fight, or 10th MMA fight, for crying out loud. Fourth, I think, UFC fight. All of them, by the way, happening in the calendar year. So he took this one on relatively short notice as well, which folks may not forget. To an extent, that makes him warm. To an extent, it's not probably adequate preparation for this particular opponent, who, by the way, is the greatest kickboxer, certainly in the heavyweight division, to ever matriculate over. Well, he, he had gone back and forth, but certainly to compete in MMA. Makes him a very difficult challenge, number one. No, so I'm going to be forgiving that he is not quite uh, as, uh, as dangerous as he could have been. Two... Overeem is not going to fight the way Arlovsky did, or Junior Albini did, or Alan Crowder did. This was also his most difficult opponent. And, the and fact we needed that. We needed to see him against a guy who wasn't going to go away, a guy who was going to be Fair smart enough. and pull out the veteran. And I agree, the fight was kind of boring. It wasn't that great. Overeem doing what he needed to do. But the reality is, dude, there, if there is one division that is in desperate need of turnover, because these guys last deep into their 30s, it is heavyweight. I'm not happy that Overeem is not going to get probably another title shot. Uh, again, a, a supremely decorated combat sports athlete where that piece probably is going to be missing from the puzzle of his career, still uh, getting some fresh blood in there is not the end of the world. And by the way, Rosenstrike might fight Ngannou in a very different kind of way. Another point to consider is guys like Francis Ngannou start very strong early and then kind of fade. Maybe Rosenstrike is one of these guys who starts a little slow against the better caliber opposition, not the Crowders or the Junior Albinis of the world, but then heats up a little bit later. Fourth, I would say, dude, he literally disfigured Overeem's face cutting. That's one of the. Be serious for a moment. Is that one of the worst cuts you have ever seen? It was brutal. It was. It wasn't just the Robbie Lawler lip line. It went deep into his face. You could see the top of his gums, and you could have just brushed it quite easily from afar. I don't want you to get caught in thinking I've misdirected hostilities. I, I love the guy's long term future. I'm just saying he was that close. I understand. I mean, walking off after you knock a guy down and not making sure you take care of business and finish him off, any other referee could have just let that go to the final no, bell. No doubt about it. And I just think even with the win and even with the Ngannou call-out and even with my potential excitement for those kind of fights and even with your sort of saying, hey, man, we got to flip this division around, yeah. get some blood in there, I still think this is more of a loss 
a moral loss. Has there ever been a moral loss even though the guy won? This is almost like a moral <laughs> loss in a way because this guy's got a lot to work on to be a legitimate title contender. In my okay, eyes. fine. Again, it was as inspiring as a victory could be. No, it certainly was not. But there are, as I've articulated, there are reasons to be a little bit forgiving. And as for the stoppage, I think both sides have a case here. You're right. He should have followed up and he didn't. On the other hand, would you really want to let a fight go where a guy was cut? I'm not like saying that? it was a bad stoppage. I'm saying I think it's a, it, it could have. Well, gone it's worth around. questioning about whether it was a good stoppage or not. So Overeem pops up, but then Overeem actually doesn't direct himself towards Rosenstruck. He actually walks a different direction. At the same time, if you actually look at the clock, it was right at the end. So uh, there's a lot of ways that could have gone. I guess my point is, if if Overeem, I don't want to call him. I want to be very respectful. He is not fragile. But at this late stage in his career, he doesn't have a ton of room for error Mm -hmm. against heavy-handed strikers. And to win that many rounds and that much time, offer to evaporate in an instant, again, under not the most perfectly situated circumstances, still kind of tells me it's time for some rejuvenation in this division. But it was a strong performance. Top to bottom from Overeem, outside of the last four seconds. He's not done. He's not done. That's what he had to do against a young guy and kind of expose him. I thought he fought well. Now, that takes us to the co-main event very quickly. What do you want to say about that? That was just this weird... Uh, how many times did he get kicked in the ball, Stefan Struve? Three times? Two well, times? That wasn't the co-main event, but... Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, well, what, it was the co-main event in my mind. Sorry, the Cavio one was... Just it was the sloppy Super Bowl main event of the night. Dude, what the hell was that between Ben Rothwell and Stefan Struve? Getting that was the only like time that. the crowd got excited all night was when he kicked him in the donks and donks three times. they booed him on the ground. Then he stands up and they cheer... But then when he turns around to keep resting, they boot him again, which is just its old level of weirdness. You know, I think, you know, John Anik... By the way, should they run it back? No, no, I don't want to see that crap again. John Anik made the right point that it probably, because of the how hard the first kick was, that was worth a, he a never point recovered. deduction. He never recovered. It was worth a point deduction because when DC made the, made the reaction after the second kick of like, uh-oh, the fight's over, it really should have been. Even without the... Even if you hadn't deducted the point, two hard kicks of that level, how is a guy going to be able to bounce back and continue? Also, I didn't like the coaching from Dan Mergliotta, if I can be honest with you. He's not been on his A game lately, certainly saying the things he did about Michael Venom Page, which he apologized for. And I'm not one of these guys who, if they have a bad... Again, even the best referees are going to have egregiously bad stoppages. Yeah. People don't think that. They think the, all the stoppages will be good or so-so. No, very good referees can have really bad stoppages. He's had some bad ones, certainly. Uh, but this was kind of weird where he was sort of like egging him on. It's not his job. You do want to give a degree of latitude. You do want to give a degree of space, Brian Campbell. But sort of like being moral support, I would not think that that is his role. And I was glad that the commentary team didn't intervene like we had against the Tyson Fury situation where they told the corner what the actual uh, commission is saying. So we got that avoided. I was actually a little worried they were might saying something, but I didn't care my, much for My that. two cents to close on that is um, we've seen DC in the commentary role a lot, and he's so lovable, but we normally seen him in the third guy spot. Yeah. Sometimes on these combat teams in boxing MMA, the third guy can be the comedy guy. It can be a little bit mixed of everything. Seeing him in the number two spot this weekend with Rogan not there, I think that DC isn't just great. I think he might actually be the best college commentator in the game today, maybe yeah. even across both sports. And I love him more in that dedicated number two role where you can almost build the broadcast around him. No, no disrespect to Joe Rogan, that he's moved on quickly, he's talking about Cormier, to become like A plus at his job. Yeah, I would just say very quickly uh, Paul Felder's great, but when you have DC and Anik there, um, it's just hard to shine when DC's shining. It's just very, very difficult. Last thing I'll say about this, two things very quickly because Jay's telling us to move on. One, should you, Cynthia... You care about what he says? Or a what? little bit. Should Cynthia move up to flyweight? All right, Jay, back off. Um, she should because two out of the last three fights she's had issues making weight. Right. And the problem is she's shown you um, some championship-level intangibles, toughness, um, 
you know, ability to put together a game plan. Certain things she shows you, aggressiveness, a finishing ability that look really good. She just hasn't put the whole package together. When you fail two out of three times, naturally we say go up, but there is a legitimate gap, even though it's only 10 pounds between the kind of competition you'll face at the very top at flyweight right. compared to strawweight. But with flyweight being such a narrow and shallow division, she conceivably could have a much quicker path to a title shot. So all in all, I would advise her to move up if I was asked. I spoke to her on Friday at the host hotel, and she, she, what she basically told me was, I'm going to go to the UFCPI. They're going to do a full array of exams, and whatever they do, if they say move up, then I'm moving up, which I think is probably the right call. Last thing I'll say is, who were the clowns in D.C. at this event? Your people, by the way. No, they're not. No, they're not. And I'll tell you why. Because I was there in 2011. It was nothing like that. Uh, and I've been to all the ones in all but one of the ones in Fairfax, including when Diaz fought Maynard, or uh, when, for example, uh, Chad Mendes Korean knocked out Zombie. You know, all, uh, that one I missed. But the point being is, folks don't realize this. DC is like six hundred thousand people. It's a small city. The surrounding area is six million. The people in DC don't like MMA. Okay, it's either it's a boxing town or it's a baseball town or a hockey town. That's it. They don't give a shit about MMA. Crack town or not anymore? Uh, not anymore. Okay. It used to be back in Mayor and Barry days. Mayor for life. Dude, those were Arlington Bros and Dundalk Donks out there mouth breathing. They loved they loved dick kicks oh, though. You got to give them up God. for that. They popped huge Dude, for the Donk. They were so embarrassing. I was so embarrassed for that crowd. One of the worst crowds I've heard for a UFC event. I was glad I was not there. Can we say this though? We were at the boxing event, which we'll talk about in just a second. I, it was such a refreshing moment to go to a boxing show and not have to hear woos. All the time. <laughs> that pisses you off. Dude, time. it's like, what? who are these low-level primates with their mating call to other low-level primates where they go to the National Zoo and and please enter the primate house? Should they because wear their Affliction t-shirt on the way there or what? I don't give a F what you do. Just please stop coming it's to the so fights. angry. So I never, you know. Dude, I mean, who are these Romulus and Remus fuckos? That wherever they go, they decide you get to ruin everyone else's good time. Dude, you pay the ticket. You can take your shirt off and paint uh, things on your chest the, and scream. You, don't, you don't, can be the just direct cut it guy if you want. Don't, you know? ena don't enable losers ever. Okay. Please. I'm more of the belief that if I want to get drunk and go to a minor league baseball game and yell at some 21-year-old and talk about his mom, I got that right. I bought yeah, the ticket. Right? Yeah, you do have the right. You're also a fuckhead if you do. You're also the kind of person that can't be trained. You probably aren't even housebroken. How many of the people who were wooing aren't even housebroken? You hey, pee in the corner you in just your hate, own you, home. You just hate pro wrestling. Just give in, all right? Just the, give who in. are those pro wrestling fans? Those are MMA fans. Yeah, but it's, it's an extension of pro wrestling. It's a Ric Flair. Well, that's the reason why I don't watch. But okay, let's move on to the second topic at hand if we can. The biggest fight of the weekend, and it was big in spectacle, it was certainly big in size with the... With the, with the uh, with Andy Ruiz doing what he was doing, with Anthony Joshua winning back all of his titles against Andy Ruiz in the hotly anticipated rematch in Saudi Arabia. In the end, the story was very obvious. Anthony Joshua just outboxed him from basically pillar to post. It was the jab, Brian Campbell, the lateral movement. Um, Everything I said last week. I don't know if you watch the show when you're not on I, it. I, but, certainly, uh, uh, I certainly do. I'll go to you first on this. The biggest takeaway from the fight is what? I mean, the biggest takeaway is AJ put the train back on the tracks with really a clinical performance. And anyone after the fact who's saying, look, this guy ran, this guy was too safe. This guy, look, to some elements, that kind of criticism is partially correct. But it's calculated. Why? Because he just got knocked the hell out and lost his unbeaten record and may have lost his invincibility, which was the whole narrative coming in. Could this global superstar put it back on and get in there and resume his career? From that side of the narrative, that the lead story is what Joshua did. By having three or four belts, he has regained control of the heavyweight division. He's still the A player in a 
you know, crowded field of marketable names with Wilder and Fury worldwide. Dude, if you can command 90,000 in a soccer stadium against anyone, right. you still have that right. And he just, by the way, made 85 million on Saturday. Show me. Anyway, l- l- hold on. Let's, right, let's right, roll right. on from there. But it's hard to say that's the biggest story when just as equally what Ruiz didn't do, and then you add in his post-fight comments, I mean, the words like a disgrace may be hard, but it was disgraceful the way Ruiz carried himself from the the feel-good story victory on June 1st to what happened inside the ring there. And him coming in 15 pounds overweight on Friday, and then there was still that 24 hours of, well, maybe he's added so much muscle, maybe blah, 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 maybe this, maybe that. It wasn't a horrible performance from Ruiz, but it was certainly a performance that was... Second class. That was second class, and that was, you know... Held down by his fitness coming in. I mean, you t- he took off that shirt and you saw a tattoo on Tati saying "FAT" right from the start, and you're like, "Oh man!" And the fact that he had a potentially wounded guy in front of him, and this fight was constructed for us to get our answers. Could AJ still be that guy? I don't really know now if AJ could still be that guy because Ruiz was limited to one punch at a time. He certainly didn't have the pace and the aggressiveness that he had the first time. And then afterwards for him to so honestly say, this is a time where honesty is a bad idea. To say, I partied for three months and I didn't think it would affect me, but it did. And to say, sorry, trainer Manny Robles, but I largely trained myself for the last few months. And saying, you know, I didn't think the extra weight would bother me. It, it, it's sad because this was such a big event, and to a certain degree, it's it's tainted by what Ruiz didn't do. And anyone that wants to tell me, well, Joshua fought so boring. Dude, he's trying to save his career. Right. Get on Ruiz for not getting in there and making that a fight. So my takeaway from it was certainly I agree with just about all of that. I would just add, you know, there are real ingredients, and I mean this sincerely, there are real ingredients for success long-term. Who, who are the ones who become A-plus players? And the reality is, I think a few things have to happen. It has to happen in a way where um, it incrementally builds over itself, so you're used to each stage before the next stage comes. Why do people who win the lottery so often end up spending all of their money or broke, or people who go right from high school to the NBA who don't have good counseling? Sometimes, you know, a Kwame Brown blows through all their money. Or Robert Swift like that. trashed that house in Seattle. Yeah. But the point being is, you don't know how to handle success. And it wasn't like he was some scrub. Again, he had had a pretty, I think, uh, you know, relatively decorated background in boxing prior to this, but he didn't have the adulation. He didn't have all the visibility. And once he did, he simply didn't know, honestly, he didn't know what it meant. He didn't really know what to do with it, which is why he said he partied a little bit, because he probably thought it was going to go. A little bit. I mean, you you now go back and see the evidence that we got. I don't know if you saw that YouTube series, Dank City, that followed him around and yeah, did a four-part thing, yeah. and all he's doing in there is eating chicken wings and pizza, and then we're like, well, was that one celebratory meal, or was that how he is? And you see sort of, there were, there were clues along the way, spending the money, partying, and all that stuff, it could have just been in a little pocket. We didn't know to blow it up. We didn't know what it was. But I'm telling you, the moment he took off his shirt in the ring on Saturday, you got your first inclination that, ooh, that this didn't go in the right direction. When the whole training camp, he talked about getting s- s- it's uh, more, slim. It's more than that, too. It's more than just how did he manage his life. The naivete to say you thought it would be just like it was the last time. Well, then I you had to you, train you, yourself. Like, what is what are you doing and, here? And, 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 by the way, I don't know if you saw his dad comment afterwards. His dad, threw, I mean, I won't throw him under the bus, but his dad didn't hold back, and, and good for him. My point being is, if these are levels of success that happened like this versus steadily climbing a ladder, even climbing the ladder very quickly, you just don't know how to handle any of it. And, and I he put, didn't. And I and I honestly like to say, yes, all of the overeating, all of the lack of training, all of the partying, all of the spending. I'm with you on. I, I was taken aback when he was like, "Yeah, I thought it'd be like that in in June." It's that, like it's, it's like too it's like, honest. It's, 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 my point is, it's like Andy, you might have been the only person on earth who thought it would be just like the first time. Even us who had 
you know, hey, maybe Andy has a chance of doing this. None of us believed it would be the same. It'd be something new. He just waltzed in there utterly unprepared for the moment. It's sad that, you know, whether it was a combination of his manager, his trainer, his father, promoters, that as a whole, they weren't able to reel this in. Like, I don't I don't like when sometimes there's a random injury that calls out a fight. Some people say, did that injury really happen? Was that a, Did they fake it for whatever? This would almost been a reason to fake an injury and really get this to a point where you can compete. You know why no one knew his name outside of hardcore boxing fans coming in? Because he had showed flashes of ability, but he never could get over the hump and be disciplined. And in his biggest possible moment right. outside of that June 1st upset, he had the chance to show us how great he can be, and he punted. And that that's really sad because him at, at his very best, that would have been a hell of a fun fight that's super important. And now he, who knows? Is he going to drift away? Is he going to come back in big fights? All I know is that between him, Eddie Hearn, and Anthony Joshua after the fight, all using that word trilogy, get the hell out of here. Yeah, He's no got a chance. long way to come back before we ever want to see that fight I mean, fight it's like, again. dude, I'm not going to call the first time a fluke, but you basically uh, burst onto the scene through what let's call an unlikely win, right? I mean, in terms of expectations. Then in, or a chance where everyone had an opportunity to recalibrate your recalibration is to hit the brakes instead of the gas. I mean, that you're telling the world that's who you are. You're telling the world that when when the wind is at your back, you just decide to kick your feet up rather than let's build, yeah. let's pursue, let's grow, let's challenge. He, he didn't do it. Sadly, it was, it was Buster Douglas all over again. It really was, sadly. There's, there's no chance they make a third fight, at least not anytime soon. Um, which brings us to the next part of this. I, I just, look... Maybe he'll fight, that being Anthony Joshua. Maybe he'll fight Fury. I wouldn't rule that part out if, if things have to happen for that to be in place. Yo, but the, to me, the thing what I that want, has to happen is Tyson Fury's ESPN contract to run out for that to happen. That's really what's going to okay, happen. Okay, well, I, I'm not going to say it's not. It's utterly impossible, but let's say there's some, some challenges there. But the one fight to me that seems it'll never happen would be Wilder, in part because just boxing politics with him being with PBC and not, which would have been great because if Ruiz had won with being with PBC, they could have made that. And, and, and by the way, Deontay Wilder savaging Ruiz over the weekend. And certain, he, t- he spoke to Akin Barak from DAZN um, as well as Lance uh, Pugmire from The Athletic. But the, the key for me is I just don't buy that Anthony Joshua is going to fight either of them anytime well, soon. So here's the question. Let me break that down. Is it, is me... it, well, I'll, I'll let you go. Is it Dillian White next? Is it, I don't know, Chizora next? Who is Anthony Joshua going to take right. on next? Because it's not going to be Fury and it's not going to be Wild. AJ's got three titles. The mandatories are lining up. It's probably more than likely going to be somebody like a Kugrat Pulev, who he was supposed to fight oh, back a year and a half let ago. Let me lather up in the greatness of that bout. He also has Alexander Usyk as one of his mandatories. That's a more difficult fight because we don't really know yet if Usyk is a legitimate heavyweight, right. I would guess that he would fight like a Pulev first and then maybe rematch a Dillian White who also won over the weekend even though he wasn't in great shape. The rematch would be huge in the UK. That's more likely where he's going in 2020 while Wilder Fury are going against each other in February, maybe even a third time. Either some you know rumors in terms of what the language of the contract means. But the whole idea of AJ fighting Wilder or really fighting anyone else that's non-DAZN and has their own TV deal, I think we still have a problem. This is going to sound like in the weeds and inside baseball, but boxing is still handcuffed by politics and the internal idea that, well, I fight exclusively for this network. How do we make a fight with this one? The fact that DAZN is not in the traditional pay-per-view business still to me is a monster problem to these fights happening. Why could we possibly get Fury Wilder? Actually, we are getting it in February because Fox and ESPN are able with their co-pay-per-view models to come together and team up in the promotion and the production of it. That happened for Mayweather Pacquiao. That happened for Mike Tyson and Lennox Lewis. It rarely ever happens unless the fight is big enough. I have asked everybody over the last year, DAZN side, PBC side, the fighters, the managers, everybody said, look, is it possible that a DAZN 
superstar fighter like an Anthony Joshua could fight a Deontay Wilder or a Tyson Fury from another network where it was a joint network deal. And everyone sort of says, well, because there's a male end and a female end that don't connect here. If you are coming out and being all sports streaming app and DAZN and your motto is we killed the pay-per-view business, right. how are you going to do a joint effort with somebody else unless you get into the pay-per-view business? So until I see something rectified and those two models not coming together, it's not like Al Heyman's going to say, go ahead, Deontay, go over and fight on DAZN. No, not going to happen. Bob Arum's not going to say, okay, Tyson Fury, go fight him on DAZN. Everyone's in their own house saying, you got to come to me. So you're really going to have to wait until the model changes or somebody's contract runs out before we can see these, and that's sad. It's, it's certainly revealing that in the case of, let's look at Mayweather-McGregor. Yes, it was a boxing match, but ultimately, who were the two promoters? You had an MMA promoter working with Showtime and Mayweather Promotions together. I mean, across sports, quite literally. But the reason that it could make that happen, to the point you just uh, nicely articulated, is that ultimately, at the time, what underpinned them both was a similar kind of business model, a similar kind of output, and a deliverable to the product that made, yes, I'm sure negotiations a little bit difficult, but in the end, not insurmountable, because in the end, they all had a very similar kind of goal for revenue sharing and distribution of the product. DAZN kind of complicates that to a, a pretty way, significant but degree. You want to talk about a big win for AJ? Even bigger win for DAZN. If you're in the weeds on the business, that was a big win for DAZN. Did you weekend. see the numbers in Sky Sports, by the way, yes. for the pay-per-view? 1.6 million. That country's just, not that big, by the way. <laughs> yeah, just in the UK, that is an extremely high number. So to your point, it probably is the biggest star in global, global uh, boxing, but for, well, at least in terms of uh, the heavyweights anyway. But in terms of getting an action fight, I saw some people being like, yeah, I can't wait till he fights Wilder. Well, yeah. Yeah, pull, pull a seat up, because it's going to be a while. Yeah, don't forget, Wilder got offered, what, like $120 million over for a four-fight deal from DAZN earlier this year and turned it down. So right. it's, it is what it is. All right, so it takes us to the second, though, of the two boxing fights. We were at the other one, Brian Campbell. Yes. Uh, Jamal Charlo defending his WBC middleweight title against Dennis Hogan, winning rather... Would you say rather easily? I would say rather easily. I think in the seventh round. I don't have the numbers right in front of me. I'd say handily more than handily. easily because it was brilliant how he set up both knockdowns. Yes, it was. He, he, we were talking about this. We did the prelim uh, stream, which, by the way, is also, I, I found out from uh, one of our f friends here at Showtime, they double streamed it once on Showtime Sports and also on this channel. All right. So if some of you who watched me on this channel, we really appreciate that. I know this is predominantly an MMA show, but for those of you who are coming along to boxing, we really appreciate that. Let me just say this. Um, we had talked about what the challenge was for Jamal in the pre-show, for the, the the prelim show, and we had thought, you know, look, this is an opportunity for you to really stand out, to really show us your boxing ability, in part because there was a bit of a visibility issue for him, and in part because his last two fights, albeit for some different circumstances, Korobov being a good boxer, and then Adams, you know, yes, coming from 154, but he hurt his hand in his own hometown. So he needs to come out and have a dynamic display. Um, I, I would argue mission accomplished for the most part. You know, dropping him with that uppercut was phenomenal. I mean, literally taking him off of his feet. The guy did a backwards somersault. And then that little dip to the side, and then the, I think he crushed him with the left. Yeah, but throwing the feint uh, first to, to move to have Hogan move his guard I mean, and then the feint. He, he, yeah. he kind of he, he, he just showed tremendous boxing talent, tremendous athletic ability. Still, the issue is for me, while it's clear, it's clear at this point, I think, and I said this on the prelim show, I think I stand by it now, he can punch at 160. I don't know why people say he can't punch at 160. I don't know who those people are. Uh, well, there's, there's some dumbasses out there. But he could punch at 160. Still, though, still. I, I, I just don't know that that was the kind of performance that like, got people to say, wow, that was amazing. It was the kind of performance where I saw people saying afterwards, yeah, that's what you should have done. And he did. Well, you, he you, needs, look, you may he, get the... Like, he needs to do that against somebody people really, 
truly 100%, care about. 100%. Now, you certainly could get a, a hardcore cynical, and by the way, there's no cynics, like a boxing cynic, that could say, well, you're supposed to do that against Hogan. But Hogan's a durable dude with a weird style. But Charlo did what he's supposed to do from the standpoint if you want to produce a gif, you want to produce a, a, a highlight real knockout, and that's ultimately what he did. And did you see the relief on his face yes. afterwards? He had been so combative in the buildup. At the weigh-in, man, he was just like tied really damn tight. And to see him just all happy Jojo afterwards showed you the pressure he put on himself to be that guy again. Who's that guy? The guy that when he moved up from a successful run as a title holder at 154, had those two title win knockouts against Island and against uh, Centeno Jr. Spectacular. We were talking, is he pound for pound? Is he on the way there? Like you mentioned, the two decision fights slowed him down a bit, but now it's time really to get him in there with the biggest name you possibly can. And it's not a secret that DAZN has invested heavily in the middleweight division. So the big names like a Canelo, a Triple G, and an Andrade, for now are on the other side of the street unless promoters are willing to play ball. But you're building up now names on the Showtime Fox PBC side that are getting interesting. I don't know if you saw Sergey Derevinchenko in the crowd. He's he, did. A, he called him out. He's a promotional free agent. Yep. And you have Chris Eubank Jr. on that undercard. All right, so, on, let me get to that. So let me get to that. I, 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 we didn't talk about this. This part I'm actually really curious to get your opinion. So if you guys didn't see the fight... Korobov and Eubank were in the co-main event. Again, the main event and co-main event, all 160-pounders, all middleweights. The thought was Eubank Jr. coming in, brash, athletic, aggressive. Not the most technical boxer, but the kind of guy who could just put the heat on you with big punches coming off that nice one over DeGale. So we thought if he can get by Korobov, man, that's your next guy. And he was chirping all fight week, which would you know annoyed Jamal Charlo. I really think the way that ended kind of hurt things a little bit for Eubank, a little bit for Showtime as well. I, I can counter sense, that, though. Okay, oh, fair enough. Here's my thought. I still want to see Eubank take on Charlo because I kind of felt like, yes, Korobov was doing well early, but we all knew that the second half of that fight was going to be Eubank's fight in all likelihood. Still, throwing the shoulder out, you just didn't get a chance in your U.S. debut to take the British flag and stamp it in Brooklyn and say, I will defend this. It and was to a, call Charlo's name out afterwards. Charles, and, yeah. He spent the time saying that it was karma for Korobov. That was a dick move, but that's, that's by a, the way, that's on brand. Yeah, very on Eubank, brand. Right? But my point being is, you know who he wasn't talking about? He wasn't talking about Charlo. And that, to me, was a bit of a misopportunity. It's crazy. Jamal had spent all week yelling at anybody who brought up the name uh, Eubank Jr. In fact, he told me to F off on my podcast when I asked too many questions about Eubank. Yet at the weigh-in, man, I don't know if you saw, Charlo got up pretty close to Eubank when he got off the scale yep. and looked in his eyes. It's such a sexy, marketable fight. From a promotional standpoint, you're right. We didn't get the big look-at-me-now moment. But boxing fans also know who Chris Eubank Jr. is. And one thing that didn't happen that potentially could have is exposure. Because he could have gotten exposed against a technical boxer like Korobov, who is such a tough out and doesn't make you look good because of that amateur experience, 350 fights. It's a cheesy win, but in some cases... I mean, he was hoisting a belt around his shoulder. He didn't answer the questions that we needed answered. And I don't think that hurts, though, a potential build toward Charles and Eubank. Because if that was next, and we don't know if it is... The trash talk alone, the highlights you can play of both of them alone, the fact that they already do not like each other and have been talking bad, man, this could be a fun fight. And it would be such a legitimate test of Charlo, just the same as Eubank, because Eubank's already proven he's a knockout puncher at 68. Now he's moving down to his natural weight. It would be wild. Okay, but the point being is you can hurt some, oh, sometimes, excuse me, sometimes you can not hurt without helping. Sometimes you can do, sometimes the hurting actually gets right in the way. Here's my point. It's like, um, 
you needed some kind of moment to establish a bit of a visible presence. I mean, how many people in the crowd really knew who Eubank Jr. was? The name probably looked familiar. The hardcore certainly knew who he was. Obviously, he's popular across the pond. I get what you I get it. I just felt like, uh, you know, they needed some Sometimes kind Sometimes a of, push is better than a loss. You know what absolutely. I'm saying? Absolutely. I don't think it hurt it. They could still make it. And again, all the chirping he did at the last press conference, that's all footage. They're going to be able to take into any potential fight that they make. At the same time, it would have been nice to see him, like, come back and then finish off Korbov in the 10th or 11th or something to be like, wow, man, he really is that guy. Because as Paulie Malignaggi had stated, you know, Korbov was a, an amateur world champion, a legitimate talent, a southpaw as well. It just would have been nice. I don't know. All right. Let's go back to MMA if we can here for just a moment. Something happened this past week, Brian Campbell. I don't really like any of this, but I'd be curious to get your perspective on it, of course, which is that Frankie Edgar was supposed to fight on January 25th Corey Sandhagen, and it was going to be Frankie Edgar's bantamweight debut. Instead, because Brian Ortega at 145 fell out against the Korean Zombie for his fight scheduled on the 21st of this month in Busan, South Korea, Edgar said, you know what, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to fill in for Ortega at 145 against the Zombie, and uh, we're going to try and see if we can make it happen against Sandhagen at 135 a month later. Look, everybody respects Frankie Edgar, and everybody uh, admires what he's done, and I would be very foolish to say he can't do any of this. But if we're talking about probability, if we're talking about career management, let me just say I don't understand this for a couple of reasons. First, why are you going back to 145? If you beat Korean Zombie, it's possible you could get a title shot, but that's not a guarantee, and it really is not a guarantee if Max Holloway beats Volkanovski. Yeah, nobody would want it. Even if Volkanovski wins, Volkan- I don't want to play MMA math, but I would just say if Vol- let's say Volkanovski wins this Saturday, that will mean he have be- he had beaten Aldo and Holloway. The two guys at featherweight, Edgar couldn't get past. That's the guy you're going to get past? It, it doesn't seem like all that clear to me. Secondly, you look at the three guys that Korean Zombie just fought, right? Since his return from this military sabbatical, Moikano knocked him out. Yair sent him to the hospital even though he, he won. And then, of course, Bermudez knocked him out. The point being is win or lose, those guys aren't ready to fight a month later. And so are you still going to go to 135? Because I don't know how that's going to get back on the tracks. I mean, maybe it will, but clock's ticking. He's, he's almost 39 years old. I, I just don't like this, Brian Campbell. Didn't we learn a lesson? The year was 2017, and middleweight champion Michael Bisping exactly lost what I was thinking a, a tough-ass fight against GSP for the title in which he got beat up for two and a half rounds and then got submitted. And three weeks later, he played the veteran card, and they said, we need you to headline in China against Kelvin Gastelum, and he got sent to hell, and his career was over. Um... Here's the thing about Frankie Edgar right now. You're 38. You're in that Rich Franklin period of your career, like I like to say, where you can float weight classes. They can call you last minute and say, we need you to save this card. We need your name. We need your star power. He kind of cashed in his last title shot opportunity in my eyes against Max. I know this move down in weight maybe is a chance to revive that and get one more, but how the heck could not, what are you doing, Frankie? Because Frankie's a fighter, man. He's going to fight. He's going to fight for purses and he's going to fight. How the heck are you the UFC and you are not just canceling the Sanhagen fight? Because if they want to use his name to save this card against Korean Zombie, more power to him. That's fine. By the way, the matchup doesn't suck. Does it throw off his plans to go to 135? Yes. But how the hell are you going to have two fights on the book in one month with a 38-year-old guy and the first one's a killer action savage fight? The second one is a killer. Well, I know, but we may not get to the second one, so it's like, why even mention that? I don't care who he's fighting. I don't care if he's fighting you in the second one. By the way, you're... Functional jiu-jitsu game is kind of good, right? Shut up. Just keep anyway, going. Anyway, um, look, I love Frankie Edgar. There's, how could you not love Frankie Edgar? But the guy's got old balls. Why are you setting him up to fail here? 
How do I follow the old balls comment? Uh, look, the other point here is too is I was wondering, I was like, what, why is the UFC doing this? You know, you've got this guy you could send to 135 because 135 was getting interesting. I was asking the folks, I was asking like Cody Stamen and Rob Font, who are at UFC DC for Media Day. I was like, here, here comes Aldo, right? Faber's back. Here comes Frankie. 135 is getting some veteran names that some of you youngsters can like, if you can get the wins, you know, build your name off of it. They all thought that was kind of intriguing. Now, Aldo still has that fight this weekend if he can make it to the scales without some kind of, you know, God forbid, Whew. serious issue. But let's talk about Edgar for just a second. I, I, I you know, I, could he have beaten Corey Sandhagen? I certainly take his chances seriously. That's a tough asset. That's a tough fight, man. It's a super tough fight. So my whole point being is now Corey Sandhagen is left in alert. So I was thinking, what does the UFC get out of this? Dude, the UFC will let you fall on your own sword because I think what they're saying to themselves is we'd rather lose a co-main event than a main event, exactly. particularly in a developing market. So cancel market. the damn co-main event already, okay? I agree. G- give Sanhagen somebody else. And the other part about this is, too, you know, uh, Ryan Hall is looking for an opponent. I don't know if Sanhagen was interested or not, but I know that he volunteered for the Korean zombie fight. He tried to get that UFC DC card. Folks don't want to fight him. So there's a lot of different ways. How about the damn Dominator? Dominic Cruz is back. Look good in some training videos. All of this is to say... the. I don't like going up to 145, but there are ways. If things work out, it could be fine. And to your point, who's against an Edgar versus Korean zombie fight in a vacuum? It's a phenomenal contest. But all the different ways in which it's being made and why it's being made and who can benefit, if I'm advising Frankie Edgar, I I don't know that this is the the, the smartest call. Uh, but you're right about the fall on the sword. If you reveal to the UFC that you got this much left in the jar, they'll say, pour it out, yeah, let's do it. They, let's, they, they let's don't find care. They'll, right let you, they'll let you burn it. Um, speaking of uh, Corey Sandhagen, by the way, who I'm very high on, is Marina Rodriguez the uh, the female version of him? Did, I mean, we, we talked quickly about that fight over the weekend with uh, mm. with so, uh, Cynthia Calvillo, but Marina impressed big time. Uh, she did, except I would say that Sandhagen's ground game is much better. I mean, that's the whole point, right? Like, he can just, he's got omoplatas, he's got a good guard, he can take the back. He's just nasty with it. So I, I understand, maybe maybe Edgar likes his chances against Zombie better, he's going to yeah. wrestle him to death, uh, I, I don't know, but it's a weird one, to, to put it mildly. How about they pay him not... Not to do that. Just pay him not to be a, to take the second fight, please. Just just be nice here. Let yeah, be, be I safe. wouldn't I wouldn't mind that either. All right, that takes us to the big event coming up this weekend. I'm so excited about this, Brian Campbell. UFC 245 is this weekend. We could do it's, a whole show on that. We could do an entire show just about that. So let's. While there are many different storylines, let's center it on the three fights at the top, which of course are the women's bantamweight title, the men's featherweight title, and then the men's welterweight title. My first question for you, Campbell, and there's really no wrong answer, it's just your preference. Which of the three title fights is the best? It's a great question. Yeah, it is. That's why I asked it. The best of the three title fights, it really is the main event. Okay, tell me why. Uh, Because you're mixing in the element, of course, of promotion of who's next in terms of a potential superstar and love him or hate her to love him. The underdog is on top. Colby Covington could actually be a giant thing with a victory here. Um, was that a game reference? That was. Not 90s. Take that take that 90s counter off of there. All oh, right? 50 Cent, I guess. Go ahead. Wow. Um, this is such an intriguing matchup because Usman's rolled through everybody and nobody has talked more game than Covington, yet if the wrestling cancel each other out, which I don't think enough people are talking the potential of, this will be an interesting fight on the feet and I think one that Usman can dominate. I don't agree. Uh, so here's the thing. In thinking about what I was going to do for Dissected today, I was saying to myself, man, what are they going to do? Like, I want to do the main event for 245. And I looked at the numbers, and there was – here's the reality about this. Colby Covington in his MMA career has never fought someone like Kamara Usman. Kamara Usman in his UFC and MMA career 
has never fought anybody like Colby Covington. These two are the first time, I'm not going to say mirror images, but the first Mm -hmm. time you get the sense that they can match each other with the wrestling. But while I certainly take as a possibility, it could be on the feet. And of the two, Kamaru's the harder hitter. But the busier of the two, and the guy who has his bread and butter on the feet on offense, is Colby Covington. But my hunch is there's going to be some cancellation of that. Well, that's that's the drama. That's why I say that's the best fight. The drama of seeing that play out. But I think in the end, what's going to happen is one guy's going to put the wrestling game on the other. In the end, someone's going to someone's going to bend that knee, and I don't know who it is. But my hunch is that's how it's ultimately going to be resolved. Not with these. I think that when you bring in the emotions at stake of not liking each other, and you bring in the potential for a high energy five round fight between arguably the guys with the two biggest gas tanks in the sport. This could be one of those fights that could be super entertaining and super high level for hardcores only at the same time. And like I said, when you add in the pro wrestling elements on top of it and sprinkle it on, this is a fight that I'm very excited about that I feel like has almost no buzz. When yet, right. yet when it was booked, I'm like, oh my God, the, the, the buildup, the conference calls, the, the fight week. I mean, look, we'll give it a chance, fight week, that it could heat up. But there's, like, nobody talking about this fight. You know what's weird? Did you watch the countdown video that they put out? I watched it yesterday. It's, it's almost as if Colby and Kamaru don't hate each other. They hate a, the idea of each other. Like, there's no real... Like, when GSP would go up against um, Koscheck, you got the sense that Koscheck, even if he was playing a role, kind of got under GSP's skin in a real way. It just seems very transactional between yes. these two. And, and I didn't think it would get there. And but it's a it, little distant. Like it's been. And here's the other part. Like I don't know if they're just turning down media. And I'm sure as they get in front of each other's face, it's going to get ugly this week. So please don't misunderstand me. But the weird thing is, they they they're not talking about each other. There's no chirping at each other on social media. They're they're treating it as this is a thing I have to show up at where this person will happen to you. be there. I think they're dry, which makes me wonder. Does Colby really have that potential star power, or is it only as a B-side to another guy who can talk? I don't know. I know this. If he wins, MMA media is going to lose their mind. But <laughs> they, they, have, they can't conceive of the idea that he's actually really good. But uh, your original question to me, though, had, had a couple different ways you can look at it. This is the fight, the main event, I'm most looking forward to from a, I don't really know what's going to happen. I want to see the drama agreed, play out. Agreed. But it is the co-main event that has the best potential for action. Okay, so let me get to that because the second question I had written down here was which title challenger is the livest dog? Well, that's so, the third fight. Uh, oh, I would disagree. I would actually argue, well, I, I take okay, I take GDR and her chances against Amanda Nunes very seriously, but my personal opinion is the person who has their hands the fullest in this is Max Holloway. Alex Volk- Volkanovsky, very quiet. Not a guy who's going to get there and do a bunch of interviews and say a bunch of things. In fact, even when I ask him about technique, his coach, Eugene Behrman, has encouraged him not to say anything to me. So he just keeps everything close to the vest. But to, if you watched his fight with Aldo, you got the sense that, I mean, maybe he gets the knockout, maybe he doesn't. Max has got a good chin, but he's taking a lot of abuse this year. We'll see. But are you implying that they don't want Professor Salt and Pepper to expose to the world what they do, right? Uh, you'd have to ask them what they want and don't want. I just know what they tell them to say uh-huh. to me when they have interviews. What I would tell you, though, is I, I, Max probably is a favorite here, but Volkanovski is a tough dude. These guys from City Kickboxing, they have people don't understand. They have a striking game inside of a disguised striking game in every capacity, so it's very difficult to get a read. They can change things up. They can land when you don't expect it. They find openings you don't think are there. 
They are a, they are a handful. He's got a good gas tank. He's powerful. He can do he can he can wrestle. Again, I don't know that he wins, but I think Max Holloway is in for the fight of his life. Can he beat Max Holloway thoroughly and win a decision, or is could, would it only come through a knockout against a guy who's insanely Either. durable who you can't take Either. down? Either. It's, it's, it has a potential for very high theater. Last thing on this, because Jay's telling us to move along, what would you say, why would you say that the GDR and Amanda Nunes rematch is the Because best? I think that, you know, she certainly became a, somewhat of a laughing stock with the title win, giving up the title. She didn't want to face Cyborg. They didn't even tell her that they stripped her all that. Yet, since then, she's just steadily doing what the Iron Lady does, which is, you know, not entertain you on the microphone, but win fights technically. And the fact that she's big, the fact that she's been in there before against Amanda, I know she lost, but... She does. She isn't somebody that seems overwhelmed by the moment or have any kind of fear. She's just a tough ass technical out, and we've seen Amanda get in there with people and and bully them and knock them out. And this is going to be somebody who's a, who's taller, who's going to be a lot harder to do that. I'm not saying it doesn't end in a knockout like every other Amanda fight seems to go, but this has the potential to be one of those interesting ones if GDR can really control distance and control the, the pace of this fight and not get it into a back and forth. Well, I mean, look at the trouble that Nunes had with Shevchenko, who's not even a real bantamweight, to be quite honest with you. Uh, on the feet, GDR can absolutely beat Amanda Nunes, but if you go back to the first fight, Amanda Nunes just took her down. So we'll see if she does that this time, hard to say. Uh, all right, now that takes us to the next part of the show. This is what we call DMs from Donks. This is where you Donks send us questions on our Instagram, at Morning Combat on Instagram. So give us a, uh, a like and a follow there. All right, let's do this. Let's get to it now. Uh, this comes to us from Azaz underscore zero, worst name ever. <laughs> uh, Brian Campbell, why did AJ get a lot of hate for hitting and not getting hit? But Fury gets pr- prize for it. Yeah, it's, it's 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 a fair criticism there about why he's getting that criticism. It, it's tough. Well, I well mean, also because he went and told the world. You see that video I retweeted? I, yeah, the, he the, told the world you should never fight this way, and then he fights that in, way. In, in making fun of Fury's victory over Klitschko in the right. past, he had said that. Um, but look, AJ got humbled in the last fight. And what's interesting here is. AJ's always been fun to watch because you saw the vulnerabilities in there because we've seen him, Luke, get hurt by jabs or get dropped by Klitschko or get, you know, sort of caught in certain ways that he's always sort of tiptoeing the the high wire to get to the victory. Now it'll be even more going forward. Nothing really changes in that regard. But by the way, same thing happened to Lennox Lewis when he got knocked out twice during his title reigns and got back, you know, came back, re-won the title, and yet every fight we're sort of waiting for him to fall. Same thing for Klitschko after those two knockout losses at the early part of his career and then went on that long run. So I think with AJ, it's sort of like he's so big and he had a reputation as being a finisher. You don't think of him as a technical boxer, so when he's not acting like that finisher, people sort of go, oh, well, you're, I mean, look, you're, you're being boring. No, he's, he's being smart. In yeah, the look, I, people got on me on Twitter about this. I have no problem with the way that he fought. He, dude, he did what he had to he do. He landed big right hands. He was not he fighting did. a negative fight. And also, let's say even if he didn't, dude, he did what he had to do. I mean, there, there was so much riding on the line he even said in the post-fight press conference, he goes, there's entertaining and there's winning, and tonight was about winning. I have no problem with that. The problem that I have is when you win that way, A, after you had said previously, you should never win that way. I get it. It's maturation. I understand. He also never been knocked out, so it changes. I get it. I get it. But then to go out there and be like, hey, if the other guys want to fight me like Wilder and Fury, just pick up the phone. Dude, stop being disingenuous about it. Stop being just, it's so not real. And I understand that you also have to say to the public certain things, but at some point it's like, dude, this is this is borderline lying to the public. And I just, I can't abide by it. You know, you know, 
you're not fighting Fury anytime soon. And you know you probably will and, never and see And to answer him. that question, why do people don't say that about Fury? Because he, he's not a big puncher. That's how right. he wins fights. And doing. he also claims to be, I'm the best boxer, which, you know, there's some debate about that, but it's certainly a credible claim. By the way, I think and Wilder says, I'm the heaviest hitter, which I don't know if he is in boxing history, but he's certainly up there. Like, yeah. the guys kind of stick to what the truth is. Oh, I'll fight those guys. No, you won't. No, you won't. Like it's Just real quick, um, every time there's a big heavyweight fight, I like to update my heavyweight pound-for-pound rankings. Oh, yeah, where are and you? Even though Joshua is very successful, even though he holds three or four belts, I think he's slipping down because of that vulnerability. I've got Fury 1, Wilder right behind him at 2 because I thought Fury beat him last year. Yeah. And 3, man, I mean, can we put Usyk on the list yet? Do we have to see him fight against somebody? We, not, not, I yet, think, not yet. Not yet. I think Victor, I think uh, Luis Ortiz at this point. Sorry, God, I almost said Victor what? Ortiz. What? Uh, Luis Ortiz? Ahead. Luis I Ortiz? think Luis Ortiz beats Anthony Joshua, and a lot of people are calling me crazy already, but um, I'd love to see that. By the way, I also said this. Where are you in this one? I said Wilder. There's no way I don't. I, I see Joshua surviving 12 rounds with no, Wilder. No. Is, no. Or, is, or outboxing yeah. Fury. Or is Joshua the much better technical boxer than Wilder? Yes. But Wilder needs the tiniest of moments. And look at that reach he had. If Andy Ruiz can touch you on occasion, which wasn't much, but on occasion, and a prepared Wilder is in there, dude, he's going to find I just want to say both Lennox Lewis and Klitschko, after getting knocked out at certain points in their career, both took Hall of Fame trainer Emmanuel Stewart. Both took more of an upright, jab-heavy stance, a little more defensive. Yeah. I do think AJ will be more boring the rest of his career, but I, I, those vulnerabilities are going to be there every single fight, man. We'll see. So next is uh, from Blue9Star97. Again, rival for the worst name ever. Uh, do you think Canelo, Brian Campbell, will ever fight Charlo or Andre? By the way, every time I see Andre, I always think the MMA thing, so Andrade. Yes, yes. Um, I do think he'll eventually fight Andre unless he's just done with the middleweight division. There's rumors that when he comes back in the spring, it may be at 68 against like a Callum Smith who holds a belt or a Billy Joe Saunders. If he inevitably is done at middleweight, Luke, I could see him just being like, look, even though Demetrius Andrade is part of the zone, even though he's, I can fight him easily, man, he's still the Swiss Army knife of that middleweight division where we don't know how great he is, and he's probably the toughest Andre. guy yeah, physically to fight with that length and that speed. It's not impossible. Canelo always takes on tough challenges when we think he won't. But in terms of fighting Charlo, unless Charlo skyrockets to some level of even higher stardom quicker, I don't see how you're going to make that fight with the same political divides I talked about earlier with the heavyweights. I don't see Al Heyman saying... Go ahead to zone. Take Charlo for one fight, and, and we'll, we'll make that happen on your side of the street. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't see that happening. And by the way, Danny Jacobs has left the division, basically. Yeah, right? he's got to fight. He's going to fight Chavez Jr. Good, yeah. good Lord. Um, well, I mean, what do you want to say about that? But um, what, did that fight get canceled yet? I thought because of the drug testing thing, they were going to pull her. Uh, I haven't. I haven't heard. I think it's still on. <laughs> oh, my God. That's boxing, bro. Come on. That's yeah. Boxing. You know, I, <laughs> That's boxing. That's the saying we have. That's boxing. It's amazing. It's like, dude, why don't... You know how Jorge Maslow was calling out Canelo, but you couldn't make the Canelo fight because of the zone thing? You could make the Charlo fight. Why doesn't he call out Charlo? Who? Canelo or, or, no, or Masvidal? Masvidal. Because it's lame. Stop with this. I'm not... I, listen, I make the same argument, and his manager got mad at me on Twitter. What do you want me to tell you? Charlo would send him to hell in a boxing match. You tell him. You tell him. Because when I say it, everyone gets better. All right, this comes to us from Jog Vano Lavson. I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. Is the upcoming fight between Khabib and Tony the most anticipated fight in UFC history, Brian Campbell? It's not. But I did make that argument last week that I do think in all of combat sports, it's the best fight you can make on paper in terms of an actual fight. X's and O's. Uh, matchup versus across matchup. boxing and MMA? Yeah, I think it's actually the best fight. I think it's even better than Errol Spence and Terrence, and Terrence Crawford. It's better than Fury Wilder? It's right there, dude. I mean, yeah. I, I, I want to see this one maybe a little bit like more. But in terms of the most anticipated, no, because what really makes something anticipated is that extra level of celebrity and star power. And you want to talk about what are some of the most anticipated fights in history? I mean, 
I don't, I'm, I'm not joking here. Anderson Silva, Chael Sonnen 2 is one of the most anticipated fights in UFC history. Yeah. I don't think I've ever been more giddy entering a fight. There really? was There was that. There was Brock Carwin. I was equally giddy. It was almost Brock like Carwin, WrestleMania 3. It was like this. Brock Carwin, I was giddy. Yeah. Um, you know, I've certainly been giddy for, for uh, name any other big, you know, some certain, John Jones, there were certain John Jones fights that you're just like, yeah. man, is this going to be the one where he gets caught? I got to see it. I don't think this one's on that level of star power. I mean, it's certainly not Mayweather. Uh, I mean, certainly not McGregor and Habib. You know, so I mean, funny. Could, could you ever beat McGregor and Habib for anticipation? No, no. you couldn't. But you I'll know? say this. You know, it's kind of funny. Um, they were showing who all the luminaries were in attendance at Ruiz Joshua 2. And in, in attendance, it was like Canelo, I think, had been given, spoken backstage to Ruiz. And there were some other uh, boxing folk there. Um, they showed Khabib because he got like apparently a star welcome. You know who was there? They didn't show anywhere. Adesanya. Adesanya was yeah. there. Israel Adesanya. So it gives you a sense of. I'm not saying that Adesanya uh, deserved to not be shown. Quite, quite the opposite. He should have been shown. But the fact that they knew Khabib was this big and he got that kind of a reception. By the way, how about the balls on them playing Sweet Caroline in Saudi? Oh my God. Caroline's sweet, but she can't drive a car, vote, or or walk without a headdress on. Also, Saudi. I mean, also, come on. Max Holloway. Sorry, Max. Holloway, Max uh, Kellerman noted. Dude, it's embarrassing that people like that song. Oh, it's, it's, very, it's a, very And I know British. people like, it's, it's not in the UK, mate. Well, it is if you have ears. That's I'm a, sorry. It's a very cheeky thing, all right? You got you to gotta go the with it. The song is, it's the, it's, it's, the, it's the lame person's national anthem is what it is. Well, it's, it's the chicken, it's the cougar in a bar's national anthem, right? Yeah. So good. So good. So good. Another. Many people have heard that song before before some sloppy ones. Yeah, know? I'm... <laughs> There is no doubt that is correct. There is no doubt in my mind. In any event, uh, I would argue very quickly, super fast, between Khabib and Tony, you're right about all those reasons, especially the celebrity factor. Khabib has it. Tony certainly could get it with with a win. Um, But in just, people always ask me, like, what are your dream matchups for MMA? And on occasion, I'll have one here or one there. But I make this point all the time, Brian. It's so different than boxing. Like, boxing's model has many things that I like about it. MMA's model has many things that I like about it and dislike and vice versa. They're two really sort of independent worlds, although they obviously share some similarities. But one of the things I do like about the UFC model, although it comes at fighter expense, I acknowledge, you more or less, more or less, you mostly get the fights you want. Not always, not all the time. But you more or less get it. I mean, think about the UFC's trying to make this fight for the fifth time. They made Pacquiao Marquez four times because they fought four times. Would a promoter... Several promoters try to make this fight five times at the first four, it failed. You just could never yeah, fathom that. You. So my whole point is it's like, yes, this is absolutely my most anticipated fight in the calendar. I can't imagine anything being more important than Khabib versus Tony. But in terms of like, ah, oh, my wish list, I mean, I'm more, in the MMA side, I more or less kind of get it. And uh, shout out, by the way, to Chuck Tito too and Chuck Rampage that people forget was so obscenely anticipated. That was the first time I saw highlights on SportsCenter for yep. a UFC fight. Yep. Um, it wasn't the first time it had happened, but that was the because I think they had had him on like you know biggest day of sports. Show I really think Chuck Rampage was the fight. You can argue Chuck Tito too, but I think Chuck Rampage was the fight that the public and yes. the boxing fans for the first time were like, "Oh, I got to yes. be there for this that." Was fight. A, that was that was the first time I remember a UFC pay per view post Ultimate Fighter because that's the key there had just this really big feel. Yeah. To, you know, it's big. When my friends in D.C. who can't stand MMA, none of my friends watch MMA, they're like, does this Rampage guy have a chance? I'm like, <laughs> uh, well, funny you ask that. All right, in any sense, we move on. This is from Yab 97 Do you think the UFC books the rematch between Gaethje and Poirier as the co-main for Tony versus Habib in case someone gets injured and Gaethje can replace them? Now, I had Gaethje on my show. I asked him, would you replace them? His answer was like, look, I'm looking for the title. I'm not saying I wouldn't. 
but they'd have to pay for my training. I camp. wouldn't take that fight if I'm Gage Good well, God. He goes, uh, I, he goes, um, I'd do it. I'd, I would fill in, but you have to pay for my training camp. And he goes, I should be next no matter what. Yes. So what about the idea, though? Because if you look at the rankings, everyone's kind of booked up. You've got Cerrone booked up with McGregor. Obviously, it could be versus Tony. Felder and Hooker together. The two odd men out are Poirier sitting at two. I think Gage is sitting at four or five. Do you match him up, Brian Campbell? No. If you're Gage G, you are you're you're on deck, bro. The only one that can that why, can why, wait, wait, why do you say Gage G? How am I supposed to say it, Luke? The way he says say it. Say it. Gage. Gage. Yeah. What am I saying? Gage G. Gage G. Yeah. All right. All right. Gage. I'm, I'm Gage G, the one who put the satin <laughs> on your panties. Yeah, all right. Um Yeah, I, I think it's too dangerous, dude. You're unless unless Connor passes go and 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 jumps the line, which could happen, obviously. You have a chance to fight next, or you have the chance to, to fill in for either of those big matchups. Don't fight anybody else. Wow. This is, you know, remember when I told Tony Ferguson, don't take the Dan Pettis fight. Don't do it. He did it, though. He did it, though. But don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. And then the Cerrone fight. Don't take that one either. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Don't then, go to Fox. Don't, get, don't trip over the wire. I would say this they should have somebody on standby, though. They should absolutely have somebody on standby. But the problem is it gets a little hairy. So let's say you have Poirier on standby. If Tony falls out, you're going to do Khabib versus Poirier, too. That I heard Frankie Edgar might be on standby. Probably. If you have Gaethje on there, he can replace either. Um, but, you know, again, UFC would have to pay for his training camp and everything else in between. So, all right, this takes us then to Brantendo64. That's a better name. Favorite Christmas movie. This person says, I'm going to take a wild guess and say Campbell is a Home Alone guy. <laughs> well, Luke Thomas prefers the Beavis and Butthead Christmas special. Where are you? Well, am I supposed to do the manly thing and say, well, Die Hard is the greatest Christmas movie ever? But I know. I'm not no, one of these guys I'm gonna who put says, that away. I'm like, not going to say Die Hard is not a Christmas right. movie, but even if it is, it's not the best one. Um, for, for sort of like the kid in me, yeah. I like the one that no one ever talks about, Jack Frost, the original clay motion one. I can dig it. I love I Jack Frost. It. That is my favorite one every year. My kids hate it, and I make them watch it with me. Um, is that between Paul Bort and Mall Cop yeah, shows? Yeah, no. I mean, look, in terms of modern Christmas movies that are real Christmas movies, I mean, it's it's too cliche to say it, but Elf is, is friggin' fantastic. Elf you know? is pretty good. I watched it the other day with my family. We had some Colombian in-laws. They'd never seen it. They'd never seen it, so we watched it. That was pretty good. Um, I'm going to go with the cliche thing, too, dude. I, it's, I'm, it's a sentimental piece for me. I'm not telling you it's the best. It's just the best in my heart, Brian Campbell. Yes. What's left of the cold, dark place where a beating heart used to be? Until the, uh, until the rich white kids at Old Marietta stole it from you? <laughs> uh, a Christmas story. They'll shoot your eye out. Fred Gile, the leg You know line. what? Okay. As I, a I, kid... I, I, hold on. Listen to what I just told you. I, did I not, know that, but... I'm not telling you it's the best. I'm telling you it's sentimental. But it's like, the, the of overplayed movies, it's the gangbang of oh, overplayed yeah, movies. Oh, yeah, dude. Like, I mean, I mean, they put it on 24 hours in a row. It's literally the one I just... I cringe when I see it, even though it's one of the best movies no, ever, the, because... The most overplayed is the Charlie Brown one. That one, they just... They, yeah, they but that piano song's so badass. It still holds up, right? Is it? It really is. It really, it really is. Yeah. It really is, you know? I don't, yeah. I don't really agree with that, but I, I, like, I, again, I, I'm, not, I'm not denying any of that. I'm just saying one, one showing... Once a year in my house, it's also Elf too. By the well, way, well, the '90s the nostalgia in me. My wife makes me watch this one called Holiday in Handcuffs every year with AC Slater and oh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Have you ever seen that one? No, I watched that one. Every shouts year too. though, shouts though. How about an honorable mention? Can we agree on this one? Let's see. I, I bet you we can agree. Honorable mention for Bad Santa. Yeah, I like Bad Santa. Oh come on! I'm you got, not, I'm you not, got the you got I'm the uh, little person, then you got uh, who's the dude who banged Angelina Jolie for all those years? Um, her, uh, the dude Billy Bob the, Thornton, yeah, yeah. and then Bernie Mac. Bernie Mac's in that movie. So will Rest you, in peace, will you stand Mac. by the Arnold Schwarzenegger Sinbad one? Speaking of uh, Jay in my ear, would you stand by that one? Uh, what's Just because you went on Sinbad's podcast doesn't mean I have to acknowledge I went on Sinbad. producer Jay's podcast. Thank you. Also okay. Sinbad. All right, Jay, what's that movie called? You know Jingle Sinbad. All Jingle All the Way. Thank Jingle, you, Derek. Uh, right. I, do, I am a Schwarzenegger aficionado. I have posters of him all over my room. I like, like that Like a one. teenage right. girl. Um, 
No, that, I don't like that one. All right. All right. I mean, it's not, it's not one, the one if where you have the baby. he's not throwing that's... a tube through some mercenary's gut and yes. saying, let off some steam. Yeah, Bennett. I'm not sized. Yeah, I like you, Sully. That's why I'm going to kill you. All last. right, now's the, now's the portion on Sprockus where we do slapstick. All right, before we get, have you seen this shit? This might be the greatest have you seen this shit in the history of seeing shit. Jay, can I call an audible and bring up that Jamal Charlo one since I forgot to do that earlier? Did you see him at the press conference against Dennis Hogan leading up this week? Did you see what no, he wore? The pre or post? The pre. Uh, with the hat on? Yeah, Jay, can you show this? Look at Jamal Charlo on the <laughs> left and look at Shock G Humpty Hump on the Humpty right. Hump. Wow. Do the Humpty Hump. Oh, that is You know is the guy awesome. on the right saying on Do What You Like? And Dude, if you missed it, he's the one who said just grab him in the biscuits. Do you like, understand that anyone 20 years old doesn't know who the guy on the right is? Yeah, but that's a fantastic resemblance right there. Oh, wow. He, but he, uh, oh, yeah, Lions he, only, brother. Lions only. Indeed. You see, the, you see the two, the chain he had on the post-fight presser? No, I didn't. Two lions coming off oh, the neck. Wow. Yeah. All right. Have you seen? We are going all around the globe, Luke. Are you ready? I went everywhere. Least though. Least though. The, the, I went at Mongolia. All right. We're going to start UFC DC. Did you see Mak, Makhud Muradov? Did you see this knockout on Dude, Trevor this was Smith? So bad. Good lord, the mouthpiece went flying, but so did Trevor Smith's soul. Can we get a replay on this, yeah, Jay? This was. The, uh, look at the angle. Oh my god. The angle is uh, is this. The angle is uh, they're not facing. One is at a right angle, and that's why that. I one brought lane. my kid to a fight. He got a souvenir. It's Trevor Smith's mouthpiece. Wow, look at that. Wow, oh. that is just. Damn. He whipped him around. Damn. He whipped him around. That wasn't the only mouthpiece that flew this weekend. I'm going to take you to Aruba Fighting Championships. Are you ready for this? That sounds legit. John Mark Howell. Look at this uppercut from hell sending the mouthpiece flying. Dude, sending the mouthpiece, that's like uh, that's like getting the bloody nose on the deadlift. Yeah. It's a nice little champagne cork being popped. Huh? You ever go to Aruba? No. My wife went. She said it's super overrated. I once studied abroad there. That sounds about right. Uh, then I married her. All right. Let's keep it rolling this week. Um... Luke, we take our you're MMA. So, you're so dumb. We take our MMA musings to Belarus. Look at the in-fight entertainment there's between nothing, fights here. Honestly, can we agree? There's nothing like Eastern Europe. There's nothing MMA. like. Is this a sequel to Eyes Wide Shut? What is going on here? I feel like my, I should be walking around pantsless with Deontay Wilder's mask. Who Look, is this the audience? Is great. Where this is the intersection with MMA that they like. Is that Nicole Kidman on the left? This is fantastic. I'm, I'm, I never saw that. Movie. I'm kind of pitching a tent under the table here. This is not bad. Maybe this would be more of a holiday Easter event, but... Um, is this your favorite Christmas movie? Yeah, wow. I think I found the two eggs. Yeah, there we go. You, you, you feeling okay. it? Yeah, can you... You don't like it? You I want mean, more? Yeah, it's you fine. It's more five seconds. Can we move on? I, I can leave you alone and watch it. Is that good? No? All right. Hey, we're going to roll on to India. You want to see some cruiserweight boxing in India? This Check where, out this, these two this, fat guys. This is where I was born. No head punches. Look at this guy go to the body downstairs all day Plenty of good seats still available here. It looks like two producers on this show. Slugging PBO out. India. Look at these two guys. They checked the spit bucket afterwards. It was all gravy. Bro, look at this. Look at this. this is intense. Second. Oh, he's not gonna. He's not getting up, Jim. Look at he's down. He's down. The other guy's laughing because he also can't believe he went down. Not a single head punch there. That guy was going full liver. Well, I mean, why would you? I mean, why, look, I at, mean, him. look at that. Oh, he's yeah. not. He's That's it. That's it. Fight over. Wow. What are they fighting in? Uh, is that the basement where Kimbo Slice fought uh, Sean Gannon? No, no. Our studio is next door. Jay, are you in my ear right now? Saying dumb shit, I'm sure. Oh, look at this referee outfit. What is he? Is he, is he serving tables at the country club where uh, yeah, Daniel LaRusso yeah, spilled yeah, the spaghetti this, on this him? Guy, this guy on? was bussing dishes just before this. Uh, but look at this guy's commitment to the body, man. Your body is banging, baby. You know? How do you want it? How do you want it? Oh, oh, oh. 
how does it feel? Hey, let's go back to D.C. I'm circling the globe this week. Did you see the submission that the Bryce twister, Mitchell bro. put on Matt Sales only the second time in UFC history that the twister came out? Yep. DC said on the broadcast that that's used, the most painful move in wrestling. Yeah, and he used a bicep grip. It's called a, it's called a, a guillotine, actually. Well, it's it's a way to pin in wrestling, and then that was called a, a guillotine. So Eddie Bravo switched up the name so there wouldn't be any confusing. I think we need if to call. Watch instead of using the the C grip, he actually goes. To, oh, I tore my jacket. He goes to the bicep grip. Look at that. Oh, oh my oh. god! How bad? Oh, man. I mean, I've played Twister with chicks before, but I never pulled out that move. That is fantastic. Yeah, I'm glad you're not abusing women. Like, what kind of a fucking statement is that? Jesus. I've never knocked a, I've never knocked a woman the fuck out playing. No, uh, Mike no, Tyson's no. There's, there's no knockout here. You're just, wow. Um, so Bryce Smith, did you see the interview afterwards? This guy's like a redneck Richard Gere. This guy's got charisma. Dude, he's amazing. And by the way, did you remember his one request from Reebok? No. Make him a camo setup for Reebok. Wow. Right? Camo shorts, camo shirt, camo rash guard. How, how have they he's not hit, done he's this yet? He's Hick Diaz 2.0. He's how a modern-day hero right here. All right. Uh, this one was sent in to me by my man uh, Gaffney on the staff here. This is oh, an NFL shit. fan fight that broke out. People bringing um, MMA into this. Look at this chick fight. Did you see the uh, Muay Thai clinch and the knees right there? Dude. This Don't is drop what? that tall boy. Look at the guy in the Cardinal sweatshirt. He's like, yeah, get her, get her. Okay, yeah. That's not a very helpful what method of Do you separation. think when they role play later, the guy in the Cardinals uh, sweatshirt will be the girl? One, oh well, my wait, God. He, look at the guy filming it. Look at him. Look at him. So wait, wait. It's a was this a Rams versus uh, Cardinals? Is that what I'm seeing? Somebody's here? getting rammed. Wow, they're talking. They're selling some big cans. There. Dude, this is why I don't go to football games anymore. It's just, it's just heathens. Look at Superfan number ninety nine putting it on her right look there. Look at the guy. Look at the guy smiling. Yeah, somebody, in the red shirt somebody in the break this up, please. Look, look, wow. look, at guy, look at the guy from the Jimmy Buffett concert. Oh my God. See him? He's like cheeseburger in paradise, paradise. Oh, even Rich Franklin cringes watching this. Wow. Yeah. Woo. All right, we're going to roll on here. I don't know where this is from, but you ever see those punch machines and people think they're tough and you watch your girlfriend, oh my gosh, oh, look out, wow. Dude, that's like a metaphor for my career. Oh, oh. <laughs> that shit can fight, right? Dude, that's a nice punch. Look at this punch. Black em. Oh my God, you think, they didn't continue the video, but you think he went down into that? Uh, that- as, as, as Jesus Samara would say, hold that. Oh, oh my God. God, hold my soul. Look at this. Wow. <laughs> I could watch this all day, Luke. Dude, that is a great punch. Unfortunately, That's I... That's a Deontay Wilder punch I, off the front foot. I know ah. I use that joke a lot, but I have, I have had dates on like this. Yes, yes, I have. Wow. Yeah, well, based on your twi- uh, Twister descriptions, I find that the yeah. least surprising news imaginable. Woo. All right, we're going to roll on into amateur wrestling, Luke. Soon you'll have children that'll be into it. Um, hopefully you'll be as jacked up and crazy as this dad oh, watching this his the dad son there in, in the blue. Him? Yeah, I've seen this one. Look at this. We're going to restart it. Okay, kids, Referee's go. position. Did we edit this wrong? Can, he, can we get to the dad? What are we doing? here yeah i don't need to, i don't need to see the wrestling from this will be a live fail for jay in the back he has to get his head remember out before here. the jo- show when jay was out. like we once, don't need to go over these videos out, they're fine he has to get his head out to the side here which he does now i should come around the back like that all right yep. all right parents are cheering everything's the, going good the, i think he's got what they call the bar arm okay here comes Roy to dad he's he's in the bullpen he's ready oh my god get off my son wow you know what though? I don't really agree with the dad. Now, what, what is the, he mad about? Oh, because look, he's gonna get his head's gonna pop. Here, I'll show you. His head's gonna pop through, and he's gonna circle back, which you have to do to get this complete this takedown. What the fuck are y'all doing back there? Here we go. One more time. Okay. I can't wait till you and Jay get on the mat. Afterwards. Jesus fuck! All right, here we go. The head is gonna pop out the, the, in blue. Watch the guy in the head. Okay, there he goes. The, fucking lord, this is the worst highlight shit ever. Here he goes. Pops out. He's going to circle around the back. Now he's got the other kid's arm. The kid arm. in the blue's See got that? his back. Wait, he's going to pin 
and then crank. This should be over like that. He's cranking and oh, crying. Oh, wow. That's All why. right, I see it now. I see it. Oh, my God, that kid's arm is stuck like that. Yeah, he yeah. fucked it up. So that's his, dad, his dad came in, you know, and did the yeah. old... Uh, Don't need to get him a back scratcher for Christmas. All right, hey, let's keep this going here. Uh, you, you say all we do is talk dongs. Here's some football for you. You love football. No dongs. Watch this save this guy makes in this soccer game. I don't know what country it's in. Look at that! Oh God! You're the damn dog! Oh my God! Did you see this? It, it must be coincidence that yeah, you found this one. Seriously, what a save, though, right? I mean, you know, the the downfall is we'll never have kids, but this one's great. Dude, I want, oh, you, to, I want you to understand. We start the day. I pre-record uh, dissected. We start with me trying to explain the intricacies of fighting, and we end up with dudes. Getting kicked in the balls. All that is right. what Well, not everybody show... gets kicked in the balls. Hey, it's the holiday season. People like to dress up their animals and bring them out in public, and then yeah, they do does? something dumb, like they pee. Can we get to the last one here? Oh, my God. Please, Jim, check his oil. That's fantastic. Look, I got a pet monkey. I brought him out in public. Let me, let me just... First of all, uh, it's not a monkey. It's an orangutan. Sorry. Sorry, uh, sorry there. Uh, wow, look at that. Bro, you ever see, you ever see that um, the show Fox would do? It oh, would be, my God. It'd be like Man versus Beast. Yes. They would have some super jacked gymnast. They'd be like, okay, this gymnast, and they showed this orangutan. He'd be all fat and lazy and shit. And they'd be like, this gymnast is He knows race- where he's going, though. You see that? Yeah, he's, that he's, forever. A, he's, a, he's a primate. Why would he not? Uh, this gymnast is going to race across the monkey bars across with this, with this primate. And you think, okay, well, the primate should win, but he's all fat and lazy. This gymnast is super jacked. Yeah. That gymnast would get like a 40-foot head start, and then the orangutan in like three motions would just smoke him. I mean, great story, but I, I get embarrassed when my dog puts his face in people's crotches and sniffs around. This guy going right for it. I love this guy. You would sniff his hand out. I'd totally hang out with this guy. I'd dress him in those yellow shorts. Fantastic. You would take that, you would take that orangutan paw and you'd go... That's my spirit animal. So what do you think? That was, that was a good segment this week, right? Yeah, I, I have mean, you seen that shit? I mean, you know, it's a good combo, you and I. It's a good combo because I try to bring a serious, enlightening tone, and then you just light your farts on fire. All right. Hey, odds and ends time. You ready? Yes, it is time for odds and ends. Because you, you got go... you got a bunch of other jobs. I got to let do. you out. Um, all right, give me your odds and ends. Um, for... By the way, shout out to Aspen Ladd for the big win this week after that pep talk on UFC DC in her great. corner. She looks like a title contender. She got it back on the tracks from that weird loss to she GDR. She did for the first two rounds. She did for the third. She's a potential savage at thirty-five. Yeah. I want to see her continue by the way, to develop. How about the screaming to the point where she lost control oh my of the God. back? That was a fun fight altogether. A lot yeah. of weird stuff going on. And Tito Ortiz did the business. Um, did you see how little people were in the crowd? I don't mean. Little people, I mean nobody in the crowd. How do you not paper that city of McAllen, Texas, when you've been building this fight up? There was like 500 people in the crowd. Can I be honest? So I I do 15 hours of radio a week, which means I do 60 segments. Last week, I did one segment on it, and the only segment I did on it was mentioning Tito saying... Tito's like, I could beat John Jones, and how it was stupid for MMA media to report on that. I didn't, I didn't care about that fight. It wasn't relevant. Sorry, you're better than all of us, Luke. All I'm right? not better than all of you. I'm better than anyone who watched it. By the way, Tito's that? in great shape. What, what, is he? What is he? Uh, is he? Yeah, what is he doing? He beat a guy who just, I mean. I just said his doing? body shape, all right? I didn't say anything about yeah, the I'm win. I'm sure he's in right? shape, but who, I mean, honestly, who gives? I just don't care. I don't care. It's not relevant to me at all. So. You're, you must be fun to be married to. Yeah. Because I have a distinguished palate, unlike you. I don't just, hey, what's this, garbage? Yeah. So what? Show the, can you show the fans yes. your t-shirt yes. again? Look only, at that distinguished it's only, palate It's only right the there. best of By that By the way, version. do you know how the Mega Powers ended? I, I don't give a fuck, Brian Campbell! It's a, it's a, it's a preview for you and I, okay? It's a preview. It's going to end badly for you. So right? What's this? Oh, there's this banana peels and cigarette butts? My name's Brian Campbell. That sounds like a delicious yeah, drink. Why don't you just go to your other job already? What is it? Uh, for me, here's my odds and ends. Gordon Ryan faced off at Third Coast Grappling with Bo Nickel. Bo Nickel is uh, arguably one of the Penn best. Penn State. 
Penn State, that's right, three-time national champion. His last two years at Penn State, he didn't lose a single match. He's trying out for the Olympics, and in the preparation for that, let's see, you were supposed to get Hidalfo Vieira, the MMA, well, he's a jiu-jitsu great, but he's now an MMA fighter for UFC. He fell out. Then it was going to be Herbert Santos, and then he fell out. So they had Bo Nickel, who's really never trained jiu-jitsu. They modified the rules. Uh, Bo Nickel threw Gordon Ryan around, but once it went to the ground, he got submitted quickly. But I'll say this, Brian Campbell. Um, expect to see more of these wrestling jiu-jitsu crossovers in these weird main events where the rules are just out of nothing. They just kind of make them up and they kind of adjust them because I bet you there's a market for that. How big, I don't know, but big. Reminds me of Kimbo Petrozelli when they paid him not to take the fight to the ground. Did you see Bo Nickel's suplex? That was fantastic. That was really nice. Oh. Well, you had, you, had, uh, you had Gordon Ryan bent over trying to do something called Donkey Guard. You ever heard of that? It's a, yeah, it's a, it's Kama a, Sutra playbook once again? Might as, might as well be. It's from Jeff Glover. He did a, uh, he tried to do Donkey Guard and he got launched. By the way, that orangutan clip, it kind of reminds me of that scene, the scene in um, Paul Hogan, what's it? Uh, Crocodile Dundee? Yes, where he didn't know if the if the person he was about to uh, kiss was a man or woman, so he just, that's Oh, that's 80s. Fil- that's filth, it's just filth. <laughs> Nothing like 80s casual discrimination. Yeah, huh? <laughs> that's great, that's great. Nothing like All that. Right. Have you ever gone, but we got a little bit of time left, have you ever gone back and watched like 80s classics? Bad, bad in terms of Dude, the. Dude, they're, uh, like, they're like all in Have you ever gone back and watched Hold like, on. They're like, I watch Revenge of the Nerds. Dude, Revenge of the Nerds is literally pro-rape. I'm not exaggerating. Yeah. It's super pro-rape. And how, Hair to pie? What's, what's the one where the, um, uh, where the guy has to get the panties of the girl? And it's like, what's her face? 16 Candles. 16 Candles. Pro-rape. He's like, oh, she's asleep. Why don't you take her home? She'll never know it's me. I'm like, What? I couldn't believe, dude, it's, you know, and then they had the, the Asian character, they had, a, he had a kind of a fucked up name. Hey, we came from different times, Luke, all right? I'm not <laughs> saying those times were better. I, I, I didn't think about it in real time. Now you go back and you watch it as an adult, you're like, whoa. These I went back are. and watched uh, the uh, Andrew Dice Clay comedy special, you know, that big oh. one at the peak of his career, that uh, the one where he comes out to the, uh, to the Allman Brothers song, and, it, and he does, I mean, it just, it's so, it's so freaking... In another from another time that it's uh, dude it's even crazy. Eddie Murphy specials. You ever seen Eddie Murphy specials yeah, like Raw yeah, Delirious? Yeah. It's like twenty minutes on how how much he dislikes gay people. Yeah, it it was a different time, and I'm yeah. and I'm glad we've cleaned it up. Okay, yeah. that's why people come to the show because they know have you seen this shit is like a time warp to the old days. Right? Yeah, I guess so. All right, well with that in mind, as always, please like the video, subscribe to the channel. We can follow us on social media. There's my stuff, and then of course Morning Combat is on Instagram as well as YouTube. You can and check out my DMs for the latest Shevchenko picks. Yep. You're going to get us fired. Uh, in any event, that's how you can follow us on social media. Please, 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 please help us get to our goal. Tell your friends. Spread the word. Subscribe to the channel. We're almost there. We really appreciate it if you guys can put us over the hump. Yeah? 245 week. Let's do this. Going? I'm going to going? Vegas on Wednesday. Let's, Are you really? I'm okay. fired up. I'm not going to be going. So I'll be doing my post-fight special on my YouTube channel on Saturday night. It should be very fun. All right? All right. Very good. For all Brian right. Campbell, I am Luke Thomas. Thank you guys so much for watching. Until then, may all of your gains be loyal. <laughs>